You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're here with an all-new episode of Keep It. I am refreshed from Mexico. I am Ira. I am a plummy-eyed ghoul from Mexico. I look like a Nick Nolte mugshot right now. I am still Lewis, but barely. <laughs> I'm Kara, here, and I survived the heat. Did you have to go get an AC, or did you already have one? I already had one, dear lord. <laughs> My god, I live in Los Angeles. There was a frenzy. I already had an AC. Getting ACs. Um, people were just uploading photos of empty stores. Fr- uh, I know a friend of mine had to go and get one from Home Depot. Oh, God. Was it fun for even one second? Did it look like the Santana Smooth video at all here? I Well, I was in water literally all weekend. On Friday, I was in a pool. <laughs> on Saturday, I was at the beach. On Sunday, I was in another pool. In I a was sink. Submerged <laughs> the whole time. I uh, I dealt with it appropriately. Mexico was great. Nobody told me that the weather was going to be San Francisco-esque. It's like five different weathers in a day. So I was completely not prepared to wear anything that I'd brought. No, don't put Mexico weather in a box. It'll, it'll <laughs> shake you up. But I thought the food was great. I thought the weather was great for the most part. Yeah, um, right. we had a we had a nice adventure on our last day that was very adventures in babysitting. Oh, yeah, we ended up at this like death metal club that someone told us was a gay bar. Um, it was truly somebody slamming doors on a stage. That's what the music sounded like. What where does the babysitting come in? So, oh, so just the movie where they the babysitting the oh. movie where they kept getting into like Got mayhem it. after mayhem. Our Uber hit a co- hit a person. Jesus. Or not hit a person like they he like ran he walked was into running, our car. He was running across the street and ran into the back of our Uber as it was speeding. Sounds like it's a good thing you all got out of Mexico before yeah, right. you <laughs> continued to create more havoc. I assume <laughs> you were the ones that brought this chaos. To it's the like that Ryan Lochte at the Olympics. Yes. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> part two. Yeah, but otherwise, I'm glad to be back. I am glad that later up in this episode we have Guy Branham joining us. Comedian and author of the upcoming My Life as a Goddess, a memoir through unpopular culture. He's the best. I cannot wait. When we're back, Amber Tamla. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... That was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black is the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. In a sprawling interview with Vulture, Amber Tamblin discussed her relationship with her husband, David Cross, and his racism and sexism allegations. She also said that she was the one who convinced Quentin Tarantino to speak up against Harvey Weinstein. And she talked about her new book, where she presents a grotesque female serial rapist as a commentary on society and Hollywood. I just want to say that I do think it'd be an awesome movie if there was if it was called like the problematic man whisperer and it was just a woman who went from horrible person to horrible person convincing them not to be as bad or to own up to their I mistakes. I feel like we've had that already. Like wasn't there like sweet and vicious I feel like was yeah. sure yeah uh-huh. you know. Um this interview honestly I blame Amber or I blame the writer Lisa Miller as much as I blame Amber Tamblin because she at one point said that she was at 35 hurdles towards middle age. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> like, and, and then they, they used it as a pull quote on Twitter right. too. And then like they made such a big deal that she had one whisker hair in her chin and she's like subverting female beauty and this shit about like weaponizing motherhood. It just felt so affected and it felt like Amber Tamblin was like I used to be the girl next door how do I create a more interesting personality and this is the result of it right because it talks about when she was younger when she was doing like Joan of Arcadia which I loved so did my by the way. dad weird and um and then like how she was compared to Hillary Duff at the time and she was like I don't want to be one of these young starlets so this right. is she's remade herself into I guess I mean, I, has she? <laughs> I mean, she's clearly been one of the people who's been the forefront of, like, the Time's Up movement, I guess. It seems like she always has an op-ed in the New York Times, for one. And people are always just sort of quote-tweeting her and presenting her as an authority sort of on what's going on, which makes it so weird that she's so connected to these problematic men like... David Cross and Quentin Tarantino. And at least in this interview, she finally addressed the fact that her husband has been trash. One thing about it is interesting because I don't know what I would do if my husband said the things that David Cross said. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Like, I think you think you would be like, oh, well, I'm I'm not marrying this idiot or like, I'm not going to be with this dude or I would call him out more publicly or something like that. But um I don't know. But then part of me is like, I don't know that I would marry someone who said racist shit. I feel pretty confident (laughs) myself with that assertion. (laughs) She says that you have to sort of be a person who can tell these men that they're wrong because otherwise they'll never learn it. But it's also, has he learned anything? He keeps saying shit. He keeps doing shit. And obviously there is a difference between David Cross in that interview with Jessica Walter and, you know, Matt Matt Lauer locking a door with a button behind his desk. But her comparing the two was so stupid. Right. Well, it's like because men are criminals. Now we should allow other shit. Yeah. The thing is, that was like that's me. That makes me wonder again with a lot of these people if they read books and know what they're talking about, because that comparison is condescending. 
Because it's the suggestion that women do not understand the difference and that you need to say something. And it's so plainly obvious that even providing a soundbite or a poll quote where you're making that comparison is a problem because people will use that to actually suggest that people think that those are the same thing. Also, it really oversimplifies a lot. Fully, it's like it's yeah. like it's like saying there's one kind of bad. You know what I mean? There's yeah. clearly levels, and he's a repeat offender in so many ways. Again, I think I brought this up on another episode, but from my days of like interviewing people at junkets, I remember sitting in a room and I'm going to say like seven to ten journalists were all like, "David Cross was the worst experience of my life as a journalist." He's like a little bit fearsome as like a celeb. I think he's like a known problematic Tommy Those Lee Mr. Jones Show type entity. Right. Have gone to his head. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is difficult. The, oh my god, the worst. I sat next to somebody once who was like, "We have a policy." At my outlet where we don't have to talk to Mr. Jones anymore. Just like like fully <laughs> shaking. Men in black went to his head. Yeah, oh please. Coal miner's daughter. It's been going on for years. Two-Face acted a mess up in this bitch. <laughs> then she also talked about how she spoke with Quentin Tarantino. And she said that, you know, she won't go into his personal life because he had an unhealthy relationship with his father and Harvey filled a lot of areas for him. Um, but, you know, that she's, that he had to own that. And Quentin Tarantino, yes, did address, you know, the Weinstein stuff, finally owned up to, you know, what had been done to Uma Thurman. And now look at his new movie about the Manson murders, which is just... Got Emil Hirsch in it, who's been busy beating up women. So that's sort of that's the thing. Like, it would be very disheartening to me to have conversations with men I care about and who presume to care about me, and then they continue to do the shit we just talked about. That's why I think she gets sort of her feet held to the fire a little bit more with David Cross because it's not like he said something dumb and then she explain something to him. Like, he keeps doing this and doesn't seem to express much regret for things that he's saying. And I'm like, maybe you're not good at talking to these guys. Mm. Maybe that's it. But she also said at the end of that interview, she was like, you know, you have to wait for them to improve however slowly. It's like, well, it's pretty motherfucking slow if yeah. I do say so myself. And honestly, God bless if you want to spend your life explaining to men why women are human beings. I, it's something <laughs> I don't believe I can do for not a salary anymore. <laughs> like I've had people, like people will tweet at me and I'm like, listen, I'm not a Jezebel anymore. I'm not getting paid to explain this shit to you. If you would like to send me some money, then perhaps I'll do it, but I'm not doing this for free. Kara has an Amazon wish list, people. Yes. Okay. The, the Lucy, Lucy and Peanuts psychiatry booth <laughs> yeah. is up. Then maybe I'll explain. I'll give you women are people. <laughs> well, a part of what she said to Quentin Tarantino that's quoted there did strike me as a little too forgiving. She apparently in what she said to him was, don't own up to this because of your ego. Do it because you're concerned about women. It's like, that's already giving him too much. Like you're saying like to be egotistical in this situation is acceptable. It's like that's what perpetuates this it's all very hard too because obviously she is not as bad as david cross and and obviously in quentin tarantino so it is this weird thing where you're trying to understand how women responsible is probably the wrong word but just like how we are all in some way contributing to bad things that are happening when you are a woman who's maybe worked with a man who has been accused of doing terrible things you're like well he was fine to me i don't know that that's the even that is worth saying like i think we all need to better examine how we're talking about things because you don't even want to inadvertently say something that kind of contributes to the culture that's already existing like when Amber decided to tweet about how <laughs> Maxine Waters Ooh, was not girl. supporting a female candidate of color that Amber I mean, was the nerve of this white woman <laughs> to lecture this black public servant about supporting another woman of color. Have you lost your mind? Maxine just glided through Jim Crow like Amelia Bedelia, <laughs> ignoring everything that happened to black women. That was a quote-unquote tweet storm, right? Like she like tweeted yes. four times in a row. The biggest part of it was the beginning of the tweet storm where she's like, I have to say something about Maxine right. Waters. As if she had <laughs> uncovered like the scandal of the century. Then it's like, I don't really care who like she... Like a Rachel Maddow episode. Right, yeah, tune in at eight. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, 
if Maxine Waters had been out here saying, I'm only going to support women of color candidates, everyone would have lost their mind. Like, oh, it's unfair. And you have to like if she just said, I don't give a shit. I'm only going to support non-white people. Women like Amber Tamlin would have lost their minds of like, well, you know, women and we're, that's not fair and whatever. Remember when Issa got dragged for saying, for saying I'm, I'm rooting for everybody. Exactly. Black? Exactly. So you would not have liked it if she had said the opposite. I'm only supporting this person because she's a woman of color. You would have lost your mind over that. To act like she also can't have any nuance in who she picks and who she supports and like who she recognizes, who aligns with the things that she believes in. Like, what? You, get out of here, Amber. I think she eventually deleted the tweets. She did. But uh, before she deleted the tweets, she replied to the tweet storm like, I'm going to leave this up to show what happens, you know, when whiteness goes unchecked or whatever, you know, like showing that I, too, make faults. I'm like, we know you make faults, girl. You married to David Cross. (laughs) (laughs) She's Joan of Arcadia. She's godlike. Let it go. It's just it. It's I worry about these people speaking with too much authority and that we're just like, well, because Amber Tamblyn supports Time's Up and Me Too, now every now she knows about everything, mm-hmm. which is sort of what the Maxine. I'm like, why are we listening to your opinion on Maxine Waters? What have you What have you proven to know about these issues? And just when like a celebrity is kind of generally good, or they support one thing that's good, we're like, well, they know about all good things now. Right, a smart person who is, say, a scientist, we don't go to them for topics on philosophy or, you know, how to build my house. (laughs) Um, But when a celebrity is really smart in one area, people sort of just assume, oh, they're like a renaissance person. And a reminder that smart people, really smart people, often keep their mouths shut. (laughs) (laughs) That does seem to be the motif of this show. You can always not say. You can always say nothing. (laughs) In her first interview since the sexual misconduct claims against her co-star, Kevin Spacey, came to light. Robin Wright sat down with Today and talked about her relationship with Spacey and how Me Too needs to shift the paradigm in Hollywood and, of course, why there will be one more season of House of Cards. Was there anything in all these years of working with him that would have made you think something like this was possible? We were co-workers, really. We weren't... um never socialized outside of work. Respectful, professional relationship. He was so great with me. Um, And was never disrespectful to me. So that's my personal experience. That's, That's the only thing I feel that I have the right to talk about. I love Robin Wright. Me too. Oh, my God. So much. My collar stiffens when I think of Robin Wright. (laughs) She is just, I was so mad, spoiler, although this movie came out a year ago, when she died in Wonder Woman, I was furious. (laughs) I thought maybe she would turn into Wonder Woman. I was like, it was not clear to me what exactly was happening. You're going to get at least three tweets about that. How dare you spoil Wonder Woman? I was waiting to watch it on a plane. (laughs) Um, she's just so wonderful, and I thought that she handled this about as well as she could for realizing that she's been working with a demon for the last <laughs> six years. Well, also, people assume that because you work with somebody, you are best friends with them. And it, and she when she goes, I literally don't know how to reach him, I was like, that's exactly <laughs> right. He's in the wilderness. He's she in an igloo in hell. fully, uh, Mariah Carey, I do not know her. <laughs> I do not know her. She came to set. We said our lines. I do not know where she is. I do not know what she's doing. <laughs> I do not know where to send the carrier pigeon. I do not know her. Right. And, you know, in contrast to what we were talking before about how you can just say nothing, Robert brought up the fact that on set he was very professional with me. And she said, but I only knew him through work. You got she it. Like, That's all I can speak about. Personally. Yeah. She said, I cannot speak to anything beyond him not groping me on set. That's all I got for you. Right. She's like, did you know that I'm fearsome Robin Wright? Here's what I don't have time for it. You know, that. Like, why Why would she know more than she does? You know? So I thought that was handled brilliantly. She's got push-ups to do. Please. She does not have time 
to be <laughs> trying to get a latte with Kevin Spacey. No, right. It's Robin Wright's calves are the priority here. <laughs> <laughs> I have also like stand Robin Wright since I was a kid because she used to play Kelly Capwell on the soap opera Santa Barbara. And okay. should, should Karen and I leave? Yeah, like, really? There's no window in here. Can we jump? Yeah. I'm not about to launch into a history of Santa Barbara. <laughs> I'm just saying I really enjoyed her on that show. I loved her in Princess Bride. I just think I am glad that House of Cards happened to give her sort of this new career renaissance. Because I, I loved her in Blade Runner, too. Yeah, and I want more from her. It's such an annoying, it's kind of an annoying thing to say, but it really was, like, such an amazing role for a woman who wasn't 35 years old. Like, she got to be very sexy and, like, powerful and, um, you know, and she wasn't, like, she wasn't some 30-year-old. She was, like, an adult woman who knew shit and was getting shit done um, and still, you know, knew how to rock a, a sheath. And to be honest, the show always want it to be about her. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still remember, what was it, like, season two, that uh, moment where she had that um, conversation with the congressman, but she was, like, in the restroom and made him come in and talk to her, and he was so uncomfortable. And it was like, she completely owned that scene, and it's all people were talking about from that season. And it's just like, why are we still focusing on Kevin Spacey and his honeysuckle accent? <laughs> also, I read an article where she's basically responsible for keeping the show going into the last season. Well, in, yeah. in an era where we have to deal with things like the Connors coming back, it's like, that's pretty rare that we still get House of Cards with Robin Wright at the end. Well, and this is completely different, too, because don't cancel House of Cards and get rid of all those people's jobs when they thought they were going to have one more season, you know, to pay their fucking bills and to support their families just because Kevin Spacey was trash, you know, which is different from people signing on to Roseanne knowing that she was a full-fledged racist since the prehistoric era. Right. Should we all pitch our ideal Robin Wright roles? I'm going to go with realtor who will stop at nothing. Anybody else? <laughs> the Santa Clarita diet? Yes. Right. <laughs> wow. If we could recast that, no offense to my girl Drew. But... I'm excited, one, because the season is only eight episodes. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can absolutely. I'm I will tuning give you, in. I'll give you eight episodes. I want to see. She had basically, I mean, spoiler again, even though that shit came out probably two years ago at this point. She was like the president at the end. Mm -hmm. She kind of got rid of Frank Underwood. So it also wasn't like a crazy leap in the narrative. It's just like. Kill he dies that man. in the book. Keep, yeah. Kill that man and let's keep it moving. As she directs the finale. So, you know. Good for her. Hey, by the way, more drama should be eight episodes long. I'm sick of this 13, especially on Netflix where everything's yeah. an actual hour. I always liked House of Cards. I felt that it started getting a little nuts. Like all of their plans involved about 37 steps. <laughs> and, and then all hinged on one person in the government being a complete moron. Yes. Like someone had to be a complete clueless idiot for one of for these plans to work. And it's like, how far back did they plan this out to know like, okay, when we get to step 17, we perfectly set up for step 25. Um, so it got a little off the rails for me. So I'm hoping Robin can can bring this ship home. Can rein it back in. Mm -hmm. I, you know, am glad that she doesn't have to play an evil white woman in a Tyler Perry movie, <laughs> which happens to um, good actresses <laughs> right. of that age. I don't know. I hope she gets a new drama. Um, but, you know, give her her own Wonder Woman spinoff. Also, to be honest, right. let's see what was going on on the island before that first Because, movie. by the way, she's in that movie for, what, seven minutes or something? Absolutely unacceptable. And, like, what, just, what a look for this woman whose co-worker was a trash man to not only step up professionally, but to be out here, like, giving interviews, having to talk about this. It's like, just, my God, have we not done... Have we not done enough? Do we not have to do enough? And she looks unbelievable. Looks flawless. Which is not the point, but <laughs> she could be doing important to know. She has the look of somebody who would do the best Claritin commercial of all time. Just walk into that room and be like, Claritin, I love it. And a nice pantsuit. You got it. Shock <laughs> and, white. And it's nice that she, you know, also took her time and only gave this interview when she's promoting the season. Yeah. She wasn't out there trying to get press, uh, you know, being like, Here's my story, or even trying to defend this man. Right. Like, she worked with him for years, but she's like, I do not know him. 
Meanwhile, Guy Pierce recently gave an interview about something he's working on, and then he talked about when he worked with Kevin Spacey, and he said he was handsy, and it's good thing that back then he was 29 and not 14 in LA Confidential. And I was just like, the something about that quote. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Guy Pierce, who was asking you? Right. And then he said he regretted saying it or something because it was handled back then. It's like, well, then he kept on doing it. You know, Kevin, it wasn't handled ultimately. So. Yeah. Also, it's like you didn't really have anything to contribute to the allegations. Yeah. That's a dangerous thing where people will bring up things because it feels like it's just a topic of conversation as opposed to treating these stories like very serious issues that need to be discussed carefully. It's sort of like, well, Kevin Spacey did this thing to me once. It's like that's the kind of stuff in particular with women where it is used to undermine all of the other allegations against these people. Mm. Like if you don't have something coherent, and relevant to say, we do not need you out here talking so that you can get a headline. Basically. I like Confidential was really good, though, unfortunately. <laughs> he was he was my favorite part of it, too. Kevin Spacey's not, a, not, not that good Kim an actor. Ba- not mean, Kim Basinger? Actor, I don't, it, oh. Then, then, yeah. then, yeah. I mean, he was, I thought he was great. And the fr- that's the other thing. Like, this is by no means the saddest part of all of this <laughs> but it is irritating that you're like wow i the first couple seasons of house of cards were great he was so good in that show and it's just like god damn now you can't even watch your television right. show without thinking about this creep yeah and it's, it's, weirder, to be fun. it's weirder than like a woody allen film or something where it's like okay this whole man is trash and this film is his script, yes. he directed it, and it feels like an extension of him. Yes. You know, you could be watching a full-ass movie that you really enjoy that Kevin Spacey, like, is maybe the fourth enjoyable part in it. <laughs> and then when he shows up, you're like, get the fuck out of my movie. <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like, damn it, every fifth scene. Let Kim Basinger do her thing. <laughs> Ooh, I miss her. She deserved that award. No, well, for LA Confidential, she yes. was the worst part of that movie. You know what? We'll fight about. You're part of the problem. We'll fight about best supporting actresses another time. Time's up, Lewis. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. We are back with Guy Branham, host of Pop Rocket, a very lovely podcast. That I also hosted. Did you know that? How about that? I missed those years. My brand is great. Sorry, I was I was watching a lot of General Hospital that time. <laughs> and comedian and also author of a book that you can pre-order now. It's called My Life as a Goddess. Yeah, I also should be introduced in this context as an NBC soap opera uh, person. Like, I don't know your general hospital, okay? I'm just days and passions. Listen, I love days down, and they hate it when I talk. I was talking about Santa Barbara on the show earlier, and they were like, we've had enough. My version of a soap is damages, sweetheart. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad you're here. Thank you guys so much Um, for having me. You've been on Love It or Leave It too much. Stay away from John. Uh, Look... (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, I was in my apartment, mostly nude, and I got, like, I was on the phone, and I got a call from John at 8.02, and I was like, I probably have to be into the improv in, like, five minutes, and (laughs) it's, you know, he just uses me as an emergency replacement, the way that uh, (laughs) Pop Rocket so frequently relies on Lewis. How about that? (laughs) By the way, it should be noted that Guy, one of my best friends in LA, just period, but also is one of the few comedians who is also a goddamn lawyer and knows everything. You're a lawyer? Yes. Yes. Um, How very Rebel Wilson of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's a story that is not told about her enough. Like my Judaism, Wait, she's I am what? Not she's a lawyer. But in of Aust- what? In Australia, <laughs> where you only have to go to undergrad to be a lawyer. Oh, that's not. Yeah. Fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guy and I are also in the same underground trivia league we get where he it, is you better than I am. We get it, your friend. Can Pop, Rocket take, it. can Pop Rocket take him back? <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you've been reading the news. I've been in Mexico. but um, We saw the photos. Thank you. <laughs> Lewis made me post them. Scarlett Johansson is back in the news because she is decided that Asian wasn't enough for her. In a new movie, she will be playing a trans man. Ooh, girl. Directed by the director of Ghost in the Shell. Is she dumb? Is that is that it? Well, and also she has dating Colin Jost against her because that makes Jeez. me I don't a know. little murder. I wonder, like, is she is she dumb or is she just doesn't care about trans people? <laughs> Well, she, her people gave a statement that said, ask Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Felicity Huffman huh? what they think, which is wild. Doesn't it come down to celebrity echo chamber? Like the point in time when you have enough people around you making sure you always have turmeric shots flowing into you. <laughs> and I feel like we carry from the 80s this idea that it is the benevolent responsibility of nice white cis heterosexual actors and directors to like tell these stories. If you look at something like Kiss of the Spider Woman versus like Pose, it's like, oh, isn't it nice to tell a story about a, a queer or a trans person where it's just a story and not, look what William Hurt is doing. Right. The, the thing is, it's like, since the beginning of like Oscar history, whatever, movies like these treat these characters as stunts. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like, can you believe she can pull it off? Like, what a wild look. You know, and it's just, we need to stop, it exoticizes well, them. As a, like, as a cis person, I was like, this is stupid. And then I saw the photo of, I think his name is Tex Dante, but it's like, fuck. Like, (laughs) Scarlett Johansson should not be playing this role. And there are like, people have brought up Chaz Bono. There are so many fucking trans dudes out there who are like, yeah, there's going to be one fat trans role in my, male role in my life. And it's going to... Is she wearing a bodysuit during this movie? Like, I'm so It's full I shallow hell. Shallow hell. Also, what, what you said about the echo chamber has to be true because any reality where you would allow someone to release a statement in your name that said, ask Jeffrey Tambor yeah. in the year 2018... It's like, you, what is? What are you talking about? And by the he way, just we don't like him. What are you talking about? Also, he said, "I was." Yes. <laughs> he had that acceptance speech where he was like, "May another, uh, hopefully, not another I'm cis last, man plays." Yeah, yeah d- d- do this again. So it's time for a woman. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, at least Felicity Huffman. It was thirteen goddamn years ago, yeah. and it was at least a woman yes. playing a woman. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing to use such a dated reference. Like, people also used to do blackface in a really casual way, girl. Like, are you just going to point to them if Go you want to play? Go Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, like, if... <laughs> Tropic Thunder made money. But the thing no, is, it's, is... Like, it's like if she defended Ghost in the Shell by being like, well, Mickey Rooney in Breakfast right, at Tiffany's exactly, did a wonderful job. Exactly. But the, the Tropic Thunder thing is the thing that gets me. It's like, are cool guys doing something cool? And, like, it restricts the people who get to be cool guys if it's always like, look at me. I've done something outre. <laughs> also, I mean, like, okay, when you hear about New York in the 70s and people are like, you would run to your car because you thought the son of Sam was going to get you, I now feel like women and people of color are running to their cars to escape Scarlett Johansson playing them in movies. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to take my life rights. I know it. <laughs> Who's she going to play next? We're going to get a Maxine Waters movie starring Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) She's been texting me saying that she could be the black woman on Keep It. (laughs) (laughs) Let me do an episode, Ira. The the problematic Charlize Theron is out in full force. I think the other thing that really bothers me about this is what people don't understand. And I don't know that Scarlett Johansson has ever identified herself as an ally. But if we're talking about allies... And righting wrongs, at a certain point, you probably have to make a sacrifice. That is the thing that no one wants to do. If we're talking about closing the wage gap, there may be a time where, yes, maybe that man does deserve more money than this female actress because he's a bigger star. But on this movie, we're going to pay them the same because at a certain point, you have you have to start somewhere. And you have to correct 
wrongs. And so if you are an ally, it's saying, I'm not going to take this role. And that may be a sacrifice. And it's not really a sacrifice for her is the other thing. But I'm not going to have this job, which may be a sacrifice for me. But it is for a larger goal that we are all working towards. And people want to be allies, but they don't want to actually make sacrifices. Kara, in the wake of this Pride Month, I think it's very important that we add two new letters to the end of <laughs> LGBTQIAA. It's PA for performative allies. <laughs> <laughs> really recognizing the important space of like heterosexual cisgendered people who need to center their own experience. Aren't they part of our community? That's right. Where is their flag? <laughs> heterosexual people who have seen the movie Transamerica matter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like there was there was this one story from years ago, and also it's years ago, but like Sharon Stone like grabbing the pride flag at a pride parade and the gay people being like, no, you shouldn't do that. And she was like, out of my way, I'm Sharon Stone. And yeah, she raised a shit ton of money for HIV charities, and we love and appreciate her. But the 80s and 90s, when queer and trans people didn't get to talk. These celebrities did all the talking and they still think they're supposed to do all the talking. Yeah, I mean, the best example I've seen so far is someone like Jessica Chastain who said, I'm going to, I'm not doing this movie unless Octavia Spencer gets the same amount of money as me. And that may hurt her. She may now, she could potentially have to take a little bit less money, but that's what you have to fucking do. And in particular, when you're talking about actors, like this is nothing to you. Like Scarlett Johansson, you can't just go be in some other movie. Weren't you a robot once or something? (laughs) Do that again. Also, talking about sacrifice, what is she even sacrificing? The last time she teamed up with the director was Ghost in the Shell, where she got dragged for playing an Asian woman, and the movie flopped <laughs> at the box office. People were dragging you again. Do you think someone's going to go see this movie? And with the way that we've been shifting the people who are in the Academy and people who are voting for things, do you think people are going to sit there and really vote for you to get Lorenz Tate ain't voting for you. He's not voting for you, girl, <laughs> also, for that Oscar. S- Scarlett, nobody's trying to give you an Oscar. <laughs> Sorry. It is weird. Zero nominations. Not that I would know. It's got to be hard for her to just see Emma Stone. You know? Oh, yeah. Wow. A best actress win. That is grim for her. What movie has Scarlett Johansson been in where she might have... Lost in Translation, maybe? Oh, Mm. God. You know she teamed up with Woody Allen twice so she could try and get one. Oh, three times, wasn't it? Ooh, and... Scoop. But, match point. Oh, I did I mean, like match point. Though. I, 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 mm. It was good. <laughs> wow. A, oh, wait, wasn't that Kira Knightley? I yes. don't know. As American democracy melts, I think we also need to realize we're also in an Oscar bait crisis. Yes. We don't know what Oscar bait is anymore. Totally. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, again, uh, what's his name? Jared Leto in Dallas Buyer Club was four years ago or whatever, and already that's a no. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is you like, gotta fuck a fish. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But, like, the Jared Leto thing just continued to tell this story of, aren't we proud of them? And uh, you would think that the reaction to it would have made people more scared. Because, like, critics aren't going to go crazy over you if you're doing something that the world is telling them, like, is terrible. Right, right, right. And it's, you know, weird that the past few Oscars have been more affected by what critics and audiences are saying about those films than I feel like before, you know? Like, a movie like Crash could sail to win over Brokeback, but, you know, like, La La Land got backlash. And, you know, this past year, it was... God, what was Oh, the... the, Not Felicity Huffman um, stalking through a city with billboards. Uh, Oh, 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 Francis (laughs) McDormand. Yes, yes. yes. That Uh, fucking movie. (laughs) This movie is not even going to be in contention. Hope she doesn't do it. You know, I hope she does do it so she looks a whole ass mess. And Michael Rappaport can shut up. And the (laughs) other people who are calling trans actors jealous for dragging it online. They're so petty. I mean, if you've ever met a trans actor, they can't let it go. Uh, I also think African-Americans who were denied voting rights in the 60s were jealous. Guy, tell us, tell the listeners about your book, how they can get it. My book is called My Life is a Goddess. Uh, It's kind of a memoir, but also kind of a book about pop culture, because I think when you are a queer 
kid growing up, like you don't know how to tell your own stories because there aren't stories about you. So I sort of like look at the way that like narrative uh, and, and sort of media influenced how I understood myself. But what's more important is that you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, pre-order today. I mean, we need to get those numbers up. Will I make the New York Times bestseller list? Probably not. But hey, let's fight this fight right now. <laughs> if you think the references I make are a little arcane or ridiculous, Guy Branham is that plus members of Canadian Parliament. <laughs> this is some serious shit, guys. It is a great book. I read the whole thing last night. I uh, love it. Thank you so much, Lewis. That's so kind. I'm going to read the entire book during our commercial break. <laughs> thank you so much for being here, guys. Uh, thank you for having me so much, all of you. But I wrote mostly to you because the number of times that somebody is laughing in the background of something where I wasn't and they're like, was that you? I am now able to confidently say that it was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> When we're back, keep it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with the best part of each episode. It's Keep It, where we talk about the shit that's annoying us the most this week. Kara, you look like you've got something to say. Oh, I have something to say. This week, Costco (laughs) announced that they would stop selling their Polish hot dog. Not the regular hot dog, because that would be cause for riots in the street. But their Polish hot dog, because they're trying to replace the menu with vegan options and a $5 acai bowl, which probably has about 75 grams of sugar in it. And Costco, know your lane. Again, I want to go to Costco. I want to get my hot dog and my soda for $2.50. I want to buy too many packs of that Red Lobster biscuit mix and way too many tubes of toothpaste. And then I want to sit outside and eat my hot dog like an American. And I don't know what you think you're doing. I don't know who you think is going to Costco and checking for, for, an for, an for your vegan options. No, you sell pizza that's a yard long. Right. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> know who you are, Costco. Know who you are and be who you are. You sell wheat thins in a barrel. That's what I get from you. Okay? That would be the most annoying person at a party I'd have to get away from if they're like... I really love the vegan bolts at Costco. I mean, get the hell out of here. <laughs> know yourself. Know your worth, Costco. <laughs> Step your pussy out, Costco. <laughs> get a job, Lewis. <laughs> I-, I hate how obvious mine is, but keep it to the fucking SCOTUS sweepstakes picking festival in primetime that took over all the networks last night. Guys, here's the thing. The president misses being on TV. When it's primetime hours, he's sitting in the White House thinking, why aren't they watching me? That's what he's thinking about. He's not thinking about Puerto Rico. He's not thinking about Flint, Michigan. He's thinking about... He's sure thinking about his kids. No, please. (laughs) Wherever they are. He can't name three of them. (laughs) He's obsessed with ratings, like a character in the movie Network, which is now 40 years old and still relevant. Annoyingly so. I just... It was so stupid. It interrupted American Ninja Warrior, which, if you're on a plane, is a wonderful time. (laughs) I love seeing a construction worker from Santa Monica jump up some ropes. I think, was it Ezra Klein at Vox who this week, he was on Brian Stelter's show on CNN. He talked about he, the media He talked about like the media covering Trump and covering his bullshit. And then Brian Stelter, who... Ooh, he tests me sometimes. But he was like, well, you know, it's it's news. It's like, it's news because you decide what's news. 
You decide yeah. what's news. When you cover that shit like it is the Super Bowl and like you're waiting for the shot to him to walk out, like you're playing exactly into the bullshit that he wants. And you need to take responsibility as journalists that you get to decide the news and you need to take that responsibility seriously. That's the thing, too. I've tweeted t- about how, like, you know, we don't need to be covering each one of these fucking rallies that he's still doing. And I get that it is news that the president is doing something, but you don't need to air the whole thing. And you don't need to give yeah. me a play-by-play. And also, I'm reading The War on Peace right now, Ronan Farrow's book, and it's talking just about the fact that so many things can sort of happen when the president is saying stuff that isn't really news, but because he says something provocatively, it becomes news, right. and it seems like you should be reporting on it, but ultimately... It's just hot air or him contradicting himself or stirring up something to be sensational, but ultimately has nothing to do with how we're governing the country and what people actually need to know about what he's doing. Wait, you're saying it's unimportant for him in prime time to walk out to Jock Jams Volume 2 and feel like God (laughs) or whatever the fuck he does? I mean, him also him saying crazy offensive shit is not news. He's a monster. We know that we know he's just like a bottle of Gatorade that just spilled on the floor and we're all slipping around in it. <laughs> like, we know that he's a mess. We know that. This is not any new information. Like someone was said, someone tweeted at me, I think it's news that the president is making jokes about Me Too on a stage. There's a whole ass video of him talking <laughs> about trying to grope somebody's pussy. <laughs> like, what are we doing we here? We already knew this. We, we already, already knew. know he's a monster. Monster's gonna monst, as I say. <laughs> Like not if a you, phrase. If you not don't if you don't report about him for two weeks, I'm not gonna all of a sudden think, you know, that he had a Don Draper moment, you know, started drinking Coca-Cola in California. Or you don't you don't have to cover him the way that he clearly wants you to cover him. Obviously you cover him because he's the president, unfortunately, but you don't have to give him what he wants. And you think that because you have Van Jones on the side saying something negative about him, that this is like undercutting what you're doing. And it's not. And you have to be more cognizant of not giving him exactly what he wants. Particularly because we're in such a fast paced media world now, like it's social media, like what is news? Like everything gets out there. And we have a president who right now loves to distort the media and lie all the time. So you need to really be careful about what you're reporting. And so many people just report the nonsense that he says in even in like quotes or stuff, but not acknowledging that it's a lie. Repeating it makes it crazier. Mm -hmm. Lewis, I was just mad about hot dogs. You got me all hot. (laughs) I'm Over glad they returned to a hot dogs conversation. <laughs> uh, well, no ketchup, please. <laughs> oh no, mustard uh, mm-hmm. and relish. <laughs> Maybe a pickle on the side, not on it for me. But Ooh, yeah. no, not on it. Maybe yeah. some onions too. Mm-hmm. So for me, it is rare that my keep it has anything to do with Bravo, but mm. this week they announced that Jerry O'Connell will host a new Bravo talk oh, show Lord. called Real Men Watch Bravo. What fucking Sally Jesse Raphael conceit is Real Men blank? I First <laughs> of all, I have always hated that slogan and them continually trying to push it on Bravo and sell t-shirts. It's like, okay, why are you trying to appeal to your straight male fans? And also, who the fuck is going to wear that shirt? And now you have Jerry O'Connell having a show which will feature, you know, Men coming on and talking about their favorite shows. And in its debut, according to a press release, The Guardian reports that it will only have male guests and panelists. Oh, Lord. What? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Also, real Why men. Why is now the time? Do you think now is the time? <laughs> what psycho thought now is the time where we need an all-male show? Not enough male opinions getting out there. <laughs> yeah. Not enough men getting to speak up. Let's just do all dudes. That's crazy. I'm an unreal man, and I'm unsure of my opinions about Real Housewives of Potomac or whatever. I need Jerry O'Connell to straighten out my wrists and tell me what I think of people of women fighting on TV. But it's also that thing where content that mostly women and probably gay men like 
is considered like fluffy and less important and like silly. And it's like you're you can still have sex with women if you watch The Real Housewives of Orange County. You can do both of those things, guys. You'll be fine. And isn't it so interesting to hear what a straight man thinks about the fact that Bethany and Carol aren't talking right now. Also, I know plenty of straight men who unironically watch these Bravo shows because they are entertaining as hell. I was going to say, this is well-produced TV. Like, you're congratulating yourself for something that is well-made. I know so many straight men that watch the show and they don't, they're not like, oh my God, I I watch it because my wife had it on in the background. They watch it because it's good TV and their masculinity is not so fucking fragile that they need some dumb logo to assure them that they're still straight because they, because they care that Bethany is being ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous too because it's like, oh, straight men watch Vanderpump Rules. Straight men watch Southern Charm. I'm like, okay, of course they do. They're the best fucking shows on TV. Terrence McNally couldn't script Southern Charm, to be honest. I cannot believe it's all male. <laughs> that is just hosted by Jerry O'Connell. Do yeah. you yeah. remember when he guest hosted the Wendy Williams show for a week? Of course, and I was did just not. like he was just like he came out looking like a lunatic and was just <laughs> trending on Twitter and responding to everyone. A friend of mine, uh, Sam Greisman, uh, tweeted that like the show was dumb, and he was worried that Jerry O'Connell was going to respond to him because Jerry O'Connell was liking every comment that replied to Sam that was saying it looks like a good show. Ooh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Creeping in the mentions. So he's really just searching his name on Twitter all day looking for attention. This is going to end so badly. And like, quickly. Yeah, and quickly. Like, it's. I'll be shocked if there's a season two. They're going to put Michael Rappaport on the show oh, at God. some point and you he's going to say that, something dumb. Right. It's just, it's, it's almost like beautiful poetry where you're giving all of these dudes this opportunity and you're like you know they're gonna mess it up i don't even need (laughs) i don't even need to be that stressed about it you're obviously gonna do something fucking stupid we just have to wait andy cohen will be taken down by a straight man it was jerry that killed the beast (laughs) and that's our show for the week (laughs) mexico have us back soon (laughs) we'll do a live show oh god Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.